I'll be talking about more than just the Benjamins. Welcome to Fintech Beat, where finance, technology, and policy come together. I'm your host, Chris Brummer, and the future of finance is now. When you listen to the news, read papers, or listen to podcasts, <clears throat> crowdfunding doesn't usually sit at the top of the feed, like crypto, big data, and maybe quantum computing. But make no mistake, crowdfunding is making waves, and as in many other areas of financial technology, is doing so in ways that depart even from recent practice. Now, this is especially the case in equity crowdfunding, where an increasingly diverse group of entrepreneurs are seeking to use the wisdom of the crowd to continue to open opportunities for underserved communities. Now, as we celebrate the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday and our longstanding interest in doing good by serving others, I thought it would be a real treat for our listeners to get an inside look at the business side of social entrepreneurism by talking with Pierre Laveau, a founding partner of Seed at the Table, a 100% minority-owned crowdfunding site that combines on- and off-portal services to help companies seeking capital thrive. He'll be sitting down with me to talk about where crowdfunding fits in the capital stack and how his efforts may bear fruit for those looking to create new on-ramps for economic opportunity. I push my seat for life. It's gonna work because I'm pushing it right. Pierre, thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Caught a couple of episodes and, and, and looking forward to being a, a long-term listener. Very excited. Very cool. So, you know, I think um, we'll just level set here a, a bit. You know, a, a lot of attention has been given uh, to many forms of fintech, and, and you don't really hear too much about crowdfunding, at least not as much as perhaps a couple of years ago, and certainly not since the COVID epidemic. Um, you know, how did you find your way into this space? I mean, it's, 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 it's a, a little unusual. Sure, and I always... Um... Equity crowdfunding is very much so new. I think that uh, crowdfunding in terms of donation base has been around, you know, longer, or at least more notable, more kind of like public friendly. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, the, the, the space of equity crowdfunding is still evolving. Uh, it's still an educational moment every day. And to answer your question, so I was a, I was a banker at Goldman Sachs in New York City for 11 years, saw tons of deal flow, um, came across many viable businesses that were looking for capital. Maybe we were too small from, uh, for a bulge back bank like Goldman. So I was able to facilitate introductions and so forth, but it's really realized that I kept asking the same people, the same angel investors I knew, same wealthy individuals I knew to actually invest right on behalf of these firms that I came across with. So, um, you know, that progressed over eight to 10 years. Uh, and then lastly, I would say probably not, let's see, about three years ago or two to three years ago, I just came across the space of equity crowdfunding. I was literally at a Starbucks. And I just started reading about it. Maybe I caught a YouTube uh, video. Jim Cramer was interviewing one of the other founders. And I said, this looks really interesting. Because what it does is that it's providing another pool of capital that historically did not exist. Um, so it just, it just really enticed me to look a little bit deeper into it. I was still working as a banker. I still continue to work in finance capacity now. But um, I was immediately attracted to, to equity crowdfunding as a way of really bridging idea, early stage businesses with capital so that they can expand. If they want to go the VC route, they can go that route, but at least they have some capital in the meantime to really get their businesses up, up, up and going. Your answer just right off the bat was really interesting. I mean, here you are at Goldman Sachs of all places, listening to Kramer, and you come across the idea of not just perk-based 
crowdfunding, say a, a Kickstarter or Indiegogo, where you get people to give you capital to produce a movie or to create a video game, and then you uh, give them an early beta copy of that product. Uh, but you're thinking, why not allow investors to enjoy not just a perk, but but a piece of that business? Now, what is it about equity crowdfunding that you think really moves the dial given the mission of Seed at the table, especially given the other alternative ways of raising money uh, for businesses? Yeah, you know, I think, I think what would be helpful is like to really talk to uh, the four primary verticals for an entrepreneur to access capital. This is what I've learned in my experience personally by virtue of, of covering entrepreneurs, um, working with them and so forth. Um, there, there, there are four primary access points. One is that an individual exhausts his or her own balance sheet, right? 401k savings and so forth to get the business up and running. Um, two is that if they are fortunate to have a, a robust friends and family network, so network of wealthy individuals, they'll ask you know the aunt, the uncle for thirty, twenty-five thousand dollars to get up to you know three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand pre-seed to buy more inventory, um, uh, to do some marketing and so forth. Third is that you'll go to a bank, and I, I know you you know this space very well. You'll say, hey, I have a, a profitable, assume the revenue generating business or not, profitable business or not. The bank is like, that's great but there's no recourse or source of collateral, right? So if the loan were to fall apart, there's no way for the bank to get paid back. Um, so like there's some definitely some challenges in that space. Uh, and then fourth is venture. And so in my day-to-day, -day, I work with venture capital firms doing portfolio diligence, vetting the ideas that they're looking through. But within the VC community, uh, you know, they're looking for established businesses, right? Um, you know, companies that are investments that are, you know, 100x return. So not every company, especially small businesses, especially small diverse businesses, may be a fit. And the challenge for the diverse entrepreneur, which and there's challenges among all four pillars, but in terms of VC, is that money is going out when they're creating their business, but revenue and our money not becoming it, maybe coming in. So there's this gap. It's curious, like, okay, well, I spent already all my savings. I had it already, but like, I need another form of capital. I'm not yet ready for VC because I'm an established product market fit yet. Well, what else, what other options do I have? And so equity crowdfunding has really um, in a position to fill that gap. And so what we at Seed at the Table have done, uh, you know, we call it a family of, of, of you know, professional executives, excuse me, experienced executives, 20 plus years in, in varying industries, banking, law, CPG, and so forth. We've come together and we created a platform that really allows diverse entrepreneurs, uh, what they focus on diverse entrepreneurs, allows them to, to access non-accredited investors. So their network, their customers, and so forth. So now, as opposed to only being able to access this finite, number of wealthy individuals that may be in your circle, now you can talk to your classmate, your cousin, you know, your, your teammate, whatever the case may be, and say, hey, would you invest $1,000, $5,000, as opposed to the, the 50 or so that that's really within the realm of, of, of accredited investors. So we're, we're happy, we're passionate about what we created. We think that is a tremendous opportunity for uh, diverse uh, operated businesses, given that they just don't have, and, and these are generalizations, of course, Chris, that they don't have, uh, you know, typically don't have robust uh, wealth, wealth networks or wealth networks. So it allows them to get that startup capital to, 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 to once again, to, to grow the business by way of inventory, headcount, and so forth, so that they can th think through what are the next pivots for their uh, company's uh, trajectory. What's really great with your answer is that it really highlights the fact that the optimality of any option reflects a number of things uh, from the economic realities to the social realities of the person or the business raising money. It's just a fact that not all of us uh, have a rich aunt or uncle to call on uh, to be an angel investor, and that matters. Um, maybe you can walk us through the process just briefly through the user interface here. And again, what, what is it about equity uh, and the offering of equity that changes how 
people should understand crowdfunding and, and what uh, crowdfunding means as a basic value proposition. And obviously, uh, who are on the other side of, of, of this project as, as investors? So yeah, so, um, so equity crowdfunding, they're, they're, it's just the general public, right? So non-accredited, I'm sure that, that I, I'll take a step back. Accredited investors, typically $200,000 of income or more. Household income, 300000 I think assets are a million plus. Uh, so, you know, effectively what's loosely determined or what's loosely determined as wealthy individuals. Then you have non-accredited investors. These are everyday Americans that are teachers, janitors, uh, you know, service providers and so forth. Uh, they both have the opportunity to come to the platform and invest in companies that they find interesting, right? Any given company that's listed on the portal, we call it, we use portal and platform interchangeably. So forgive me, but come to the platform and they may see an, a, a company that's of interest um, that's listed at $100 per, per share or per investment. There may be a company listed for $250 or $1,000. But what's beautiful about equity crowdfunding is that it allows customers, clients, and, and, and those that are truly advocating on behalf of their friends and businesses to be owners, right? So there's something special about Hey, not only do I consume this water, sparkling water drink or specialty drink, um, because it tastes great, but it's like I know the owner, great, great girl, great woman, great guy, and I'm also an investor in that company, and you should consume it too. So it allows the operator to monetize their consumer base and following, which, like I said, opens the door for a new form of uh, a capital. So hopefully, that answers your question. Now, now you do have this little interesting, um, you know, I, I guess maybe allied services or parallel services, right? You know, with with, with, with people who are there, and you're, you're calling them family. Like, what exactly are those folks, and and how are they operating uh, on the platform or, or with the the issue? Yeah, we 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 have a what we consider to be like unique differentiation uh, among the other portals that are out there, right? There are tons of great portals out there, and I encourage the audience to visit all of them, and obviously to, to get educated on the space. But what's different about us is that, one, we have a sense of patience that's uh, not necessarily expressed by the other portals, given that we are more aligned and just invested, you know, without dollar, from a do without it being a dollar component in, in, in the issuers that come on board, right? And so in a form of that investment is that um, we've created what's called a family. And so these are literally, is a, it's a group of bankers, attorneys, people that have worked in CPG for 20 years, uh, people that have worked in tech, ha had exits themselves, Right that are committed to being resources to the companies that come on the portal and are trying to raise capital. So you come on the portal, you want to raise, you can raise anywhere up to $5 million, but you want to raise $250,000 or a million dollars, uh, seat at the table is the legal platform to do so, right? And that's the business model. But in addition to that, now you get a sounding board as an entrepreneur when you're thinking about logistics, operations, distribution. And, and as many of us know that are, have been entrepreneurs in our lives, it's a very lonely process. Right. So the ability that you have a maybe you have a hair care product and you want or a makeup product and you want to talk to somebody that's been at L'Oreal for 20 years, that's truly invested from a, a, a human capacity in your business. I can make that introduction. We can make that introduction. So that is one of the key elements in the terms of, you know, it's more of a, a support network for the issuers. We're not you know, we're not officially on the cap table as advisors to the businesses, but we believe in the businesses enough and we want to make sure that we're giving back some of the skill sets and the insights that we have given our experience in the industry. And, and many of these are also I, I, uh, uh, people hailing from those same communities, I suppose, because they can act as sort of bridges uh, between, you know, larger maybe product segments and, and also the, the specific businesses and, and literally the context from which some of the businesses are, are, are arising. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, the art of like introduction. So information is capital, just like dollars are capital. Right. And so the ability for an entrepreneur to raise dollars and to be able to leverage uh, one of the, the family members and get an introduction for distribution. Right. For for partnerships, for operations. I think it's like that. There, there's magic in that. And what we learned to kind of go back and contextualize the, the, the value add or the, the benefit equity crowdfunding is that there's something special about being able to operate in the in, in, in the red. Right. And a lot of people in the community in terms of diverse operators don't aren't necessarily afforded that ability. It's like, all right, I'm down. Money's going fast. You know, I can't continue to, to you know, run the business for six months unless I get a capital injection. Right. And so whether it's, you know, information that's allowing them to, to be sharper about their spend, that's very helpful. Or it's real dollars that come into play. That's what we're trying to create a seat at the table in terms of literally the network plus the capital. And, and, and can you tell me a little bit more about the the companies, you know, about those issuers? Like, what kinds of businesses are they, you know, are, are there any, um, uh, you know, uh, common traits or, or, yeah. or, or professional or? I'll give you, I'll give, I'll give you my, my quick take on like what the, what the, what the environment looks like in terms of issuers, right? And like, like who's coming to the table trying to raise capital, who's, uh, who's, you know, having success. I would say that they are individuals of all walks of life. There are people that just have an idea. <laughs> there are people that literally have a product, right? That are doing $100,000 of revenue, a million dollars of revenue a year, $5 million of revenue a year, right? So it's pre-rev to revenue companies. There are B2B companies that exist uh, that are coming to the portal, D2C, e-commerce. I think that what I've noticed is that e-com and D2C works, really, works better in this space um, than like traditional B2B. Unless it's B two B that has like strong, uh, strong or high user base, right? Or an app, right, or something of that extent, where it's like they're strong users. Because the benefit of equity crowdfunding is you literally get to monetize your following, right? So if it's something a product that I can consume, I can kind of carry the flag and make sure that you drink the drink, right? And I'm like, I'm like boasting about it. Whereas if it's B two B, so it's just hard to to really articulate it. But it's, there are plenty of B two B companies that have been successful on the raise themselves. Um, there are people that have um, have had some checkered past in the sense like. And that's, you know, relative, right, in terms of what checker, but their profiles in terms of their experiences or their pedigree may not necessarily fit um, the, the, the pedigree of, of, of individuals that I worked with when I was a banker, right? There are people that have you know, never gone to college, right, or maybe, you know, walk different walks of life, uh, but they have successful businesses and they're, you know, impacting their own community as well. So to answer your question, B2B, D2C, uh, e-com, um, pre-revenue, pre-product versus, you know, $5 million a year. Um, but I would say those that the, the, the individuals that are able to, what I've realized are, are able to be more successful are those that have a close relationship with their user base and can get some advocacy out of their user base as well. You know, what you're trying to do here is really impressive, creating a new funnel of opportunity to minority businesses and leveraging new technology to do it. Now, I, I know uh, you've probably noticed, but there is uh, plenty of volatility out there in the market. Uh, all accompanying the prospect of inflation and higher interest rates. What does that mean for your mission and for the business, both from the standpoint of the portal and the issuers? Man, um, I, I, I pride myself on like working out, being a, a goddess, like really in the fitness and, and health, both um, physical and mental health as well, though. And um, it's like, this is a heavy lift in terms of what we're doing. It's, it's more weights than I can imagine because the task is, is twofold, which is what you were alluding to, is that one is that we are a, a, a diverse owned and operated business trying to navigate the economy, navigate, you know, the world, you know, financial systems themselves, regulators that may not actually not necessarily have the patience and get what we're doing, right? And we are serving 
diverse owned businesses as well. Right. And so it's been a challenge and it's very exhausting. I think that uh, I know that it requires connection to be able to, 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 to endure the amount of work that has to be like. So for example, if it was just me just doing like transactions for a big bulge back your bank, I, I just, I wouldn't be as connected because it's such a trying time in the economy right now in terms of access to capital, in terms of, you know, maintaining headcount, right? Uh, being able to get inventory. So, you know, all the challenges that you may be experiencing as a consumer, as an operator, are businesses that business being seated at the table experiences it and the businesses that are on the portal experience, experience it tenfold though. Right. And so like if you're a D2C company, you're listed and you're talking about inventory and there's slowdown because, you know, COVID and everything else, like ships are, are, are undocking, uh, you know, that impacts them because every dollar means so much more. Every dollar of revenue means so much more in terms of the livelihood or the success of that business. So I would say that it's the same situation for everybody, but the magnitude is 10x. And to go back to answer your question in full, I guess that we're experiencing it on behalf collectively in terms of what we're doing at seat at the table. And like, we're literally shoulder to shoulder with our issuers and experiencing it with them. Right. And so we're trying to help them solve for, for payroll, even though that's, you know, that's not our responsibility, but as, a, as the family, they're giving thoughts and so forth. I mean, it, what's, you know, you know, crowdfunding is, is, is very interesting. And I really been a part of the regulatory sort of, uh, uh, or at least I've been watching the regulatory development since the very beginning of, of, of the, of the Jobs Act, where where equity crowdfunding was was introduced, I mean, to, to what extent uh, does uh, you know the the regulatory uh, question impact your 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 business? Um, are are there any things that you think you know complicate the business, or or would frankly make your ability to serve some of these companies a little bit easier? And for that matter, um, uh, investors as well who are who are on the platform and, and putting their savings to work. Yeah, when I was uh, thinking about this conversation, I started listening to a bunch of your podcasts, and there was a comment about like the appreciate, excuse me, the the value of having regulators with more of a human element to understand the challenges uh, of users. This was in the context of bank banks, right? In terms of like, and it's true, man. I think that the human element is often lacking, and I get that regulators are 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 there to protect everybody as citizens, right? But I think they're they're. I, what I would hope for is a bit more of understanding or a, an interest an interest in asking the second question, right? And so I think that that be, that this, that that continues to be a challenge, um, and it's you know the the business now. In all fairness, the this equity crowdfunding is still a, an evolving industry, right? I think it was up to last year it was one point seven million that you one point oh seven million that you can raise. Now it's five million dollars, right? And I think that what I've read is that. Uh, Europe and, and so forth is a little bit ahead of us in terms of you know where they are in the space, uh, but I, I'm I'm leaning on on the, the human element, really understanding the texture, uh, the diverse issuer space, the challenges that they endure. So, for example, uh, when you when you're when you're listing on a portal, you have to get an audit of some sort, depending upon the dollar amount that you've raised, right? Um, so that audit, whether it be CPA reviewed or a full audit or just you know, self-stated financials. Can be very cumbersome and expensive for an entrepreneur of any demo that is bootstrapped, right? And so you're saying that, hey, I got to pay ten to fifteen thousand dollars to get this full CPA audit uh, when I want to raise a million to five million. Which I, I get it. You want to have not. You want to make sure the books are, are in order. But it's an entire ecosystem in the sense that the service providers um, have not caught wind yet in terms of like I want them to ask the second question too and be a little bit more patient with the community, right? Because 
the same accounting firm or same big law firm is engaging with our issuers as if they were uh, VC-backed companies that have raised a $20 million Series A already, right? Whereas this is literally a business that may have $100,000, $500,000 in revenue that's trying to, to check all the boxes that's required to, to issue uh, you know, via the SEC and FINRA. So doing the audit, getting the investment vehicle together. But so it ends up being a very expensive task. And I think that there's tons of sticker shock for anybody that does uh, equity crowdfunding and even donation-based crowdfunding because I've heard some of those fees. But equity-based crowdfunding, it's a sticker shot. It's just a very expensive endeavor for everybody, right? And so you go in thinking that I'm going to raise a million dollars, but then you're surprised when you have to pay 40000 or 50000 These are, you know, loosely stated fees uh, and fees. And that's, that, you know, that's even before you think about the fee that the portal may be charging. So I would say that it's, um, you know, just with the service providers and the regulators, it's having, um, asking the next question, getting up to speed in terms of what the demo looks like. Because right now, um, although equity crowdfunding is available to everybody, the experience is not felt equally across all demos. Uh, hopefully that uh, that makes sense. No, that was super helpful. And and I think, you know, just sort of taking that one step further and just looking at the the journey for seed at, at, at the table, you know, I noticed that when it came to your own funding, you know, and, and, and creating this business, that uh, you've you've avoided um, some you know sources of, of of funding that you know caught my eye in particular you know it looks like you, you avoided VC funding. Yep, um, yep. Was was that intentional? And you know how does that impact how you go about scaling your your business? Yeah. So when Seed was created, uh, you know, by the group, it was created in terms of like we're filling a capital gap, a need, right? Well, we're going to do great work you know, uh, charge a fee. So there's, you know, there's revenue recoup or so there's cost recoup. Right. But the reality is it's like, it wasn't this, Hey, this is the new next big thing. I'm going to roll this out and I'm you know going to get all this VC money. And then you're going to see me on, you know, the NASDAQ 10 years from now. Right. And so, um, it was, it was more so we are, we, we are mission focused at see now with that said, um, things have evolved and we've gotten, you know, tons of traction and attention from both racket banks venture capital funds, uh, tons of foundations that are just intrigued by our space and what we're doing and our offering. They understand how unique it is and how, how new it is. So we get approached often in terms of, you know, um, what does the next kind of iteration of seed look like? Uh, and so I would imagine that there will be some, some VC capital at that time. But to go back to your point, it was we weren't created with VC in mind. Um, but even to, to give you a little bit more like kind of sauce to the question, I was very intentional Think in terms of like the, the people that we partnered with, right? And to make sure that with some capital or resource perspective, to make sure that they too were mission aligned and that they too understood the story. And Chris, the reality is, is like, we are not a fit for everybody, right? So some of the like, you know, tech intensive VC firms may not really get our story, which is okay. And, you know, there's, 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 you know, there's no hard feelings about that. Um, but for us, it would have to be a firm that is aligned in terms of, you know, FinTech, of course, but understanding that there's this vast market of entrepreneurs out there and supporters and investors that are trying to engage in investing and need a platform and can benefit from additional resources beyond what we provide currently at, at Seat at the Table. So to answer your question, I was very intentional about who we partner with and I continue to be so. It always has to be mission aligned, whether if it's a family member, whether if it's anybody approaching in terms of capital, I want to make sure that they understand and are, are, are them themselves are willing to ask that second question, as opposed to just looking at it from purely from like a balance sheet uh, or, or in, in my old world as a trade, right? You buy it at X and then you sell it at Y. Like that's not where we're, where we're attracted to right now. 
Pierre, thanks so much for joining the show. We're definitely going to have to have you back and, and see how things are going. Uh, this was really enlightening. Appreciate the time. Um, encourage everybody to go check out seatatthetable.com, the companies that are, are listed. Feel free to send us an email if there was anybody that's you know looking for more advice or just insights on the process. Uh, we are in touch with the community. We are a resource to the community, and, and the community is defined as a, people of all walks of life. But you know we're, we're, we're normal. We're human. So love to talk to, to the community and love to hear from you all. Thanks again, Chris. But my conversation with Pierre really underscored for me is the fact that for all the special difficulties that historically marginalized people may face, many of their concerns and opportunities are cut from the same cloth as everyone else's. It's just that the stakes are a little bigger. If the economy sneezes, they don't just catch a cold, they may catch the flu. And if the regulatory rules don't fit the lived experience of the people most in need of capital, they're likely going to feel it the most. It makes me wonder, honestly, not only about human capital, but also who's in the room when policy is made and just how well policymakers are able to truly crowdsource inputs from across a very heterogeneous America in order to fashion policies that actually make sense. Now, it's a tough question, but it's also likely to become ever more important as we enter the choppy waters of 2022. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to get in touch, just hit me up at Chris Brummer DR. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. We'd love to hear from you.